three, two, one. Hello and welcome. In this podcast, we're charting the journey of Calyx and how its groundbreaking technology has come to be used in many industries across the globe, cement, lime, wastewater, etc., to allow those industries to operate in a more sustainable way and with a smaller environmental footprint. Up until now, we've been telling this story from Calyx's point of view, talking to a range of people who work for Calyx about what they've done and what the company and the technology has done, but no company operates alone. And in this episode, we're going to examine the collaboration between Calyx and a Swedish renewable technology company called SaltX Technology. Now, SaltX Technology has themselves developed new technology that can help solve some of the problems associated with the storage and supply of renewable energy uh, and meeting peak demand and timing issues. And we'll find more, more about that as we, as we go through. So how and why did Calyx and SaltX decide to work together? What have they been working on and what have been some of the challenges and rewards of this collaboration? For the first time on Innovating for the Earth, I'm joined by two guests. From Calyx is Andrew Oakley, Calyx's General Manager of Sustainable Processing and Commercial. G'day, Andrew. Thank you for joining us. Uh, It's a pleasure, James, and uh, nice to uh, hear you again. Andrew is in Sydney. Uh, He's been with Calix since 2012 and was previously Calix's General Manager of Strategy and Commercial. And joining us from SaltX Technology in Sweden, Corey Blackman, their Head of Technology. Corey has worked for SaltX since 2011. He's worked all over the world in in the sustainable energy sector for 15 years. And he's got a PhD in Energy and Environmental Engineering. G'day, Corey. Hi there. Thanks. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. So let's um, let's let's begin. Corey, tell us, you know, in in language that everyone will understand, what does SaltX do? Okay, so SaltX we focus on large scale energy storage systems. So it's based on a uh, lime based technology, and we've developed a, a very special system for ensuring that we can provide high temperature heat to industrial processes or even to provide um, to run a steam turbine and provide electricity and how's SaltX trying to help industries transform to using more clean energy so we we know that uh, we we're in in front of a, a let's say a transition or a revolution of the energy system. Um, there's a lot of work with electrification and also of using um, waste heat streams or waste energy streams, I should say. So at Saltex we work with being able to store the energy when it's in surplus and then provide it when it is needed. So and this happens a lot when it comes to intermittent or variable renewable energy sources that need to be uh, stored when we have an abundance. And and then we would um, dispatch it or, or deliver it when it's needed for very different ap- for different applications. And of course, that's been one of the main obstacles, hasn't it, to using more renewable energy more quickly? That people say, "Well, it's great when the sun's out, but what about mm. when it's raining?" Exactly. So that's a, a, a major challenge: the variability and the intermittency. When you know that you, in in several industrial processes, you want to run them all the time, or you want heat when <laughs> when it's cold out, etc. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, Andrew, already I see some similarities between what Soltex is doing and what Calix are doing, trying to work at helping industries operate in a more sustainable way. Prior to your collaboration, what challenges were Calix going through and, and why did you start thinking about working with Soltex? Yeah, well, it, it was um, really came about, James, because we, we started to really think about electrifying our, our technology and, uh, and using renewable energy. And, of course, as you just mentioned, that uh, the sun doesn't shine 24 hours a day and the wind doesn't blow all the time, but we, we'd like to run 24 hours a day like most industrial processes or our, our clients would. So, yeah, we, we were thinking about how, how to tackle that, that challenge. Um, I think at about the same time that uh, Soltex, uh, let's say, discovered um, uh, Calex and our technology and they were thinking about how to get the energy into their, their proprietary salt. So when um, was that? When was that? That's uh, I, I think that's nearly two years ago now that, yeah, there's some uh, some people. One who's been on this show, Mark, Dr. Mark Skeets, uh, met met a a similar character, I would say, in in the Saltex world, and uh, they got chatting over a conference coffee. Could have been a beer. You never know. Um, and uh, yeah, things started to happen from there. And it seems before we get into specifics of of how your collaboration might work, but but. We've, we've done an episode of this podcast about, I guess, the Calix mission statement, that it's not just about making money, it's about doing something that's going to be useful for the world. So already there seems like a, a synergy in terms of th- those things. Would you agree with that, Corey? Yes, definitely. So this is something that we've been looking at a lot. Um, there's a quite a bit of discussion about, let's say, um, sustainability and having a sustainability ethos, etc., and even circular economy. So we see that that's quite important, especially for the partners that we've been working with. So, Andrew, I, you know, there's a big difference, isn't there, between saying, hey, you're trying to do something that's good for, you know, good for the environment and helping companies operate more sustainably and so are we, good on us. Getting from there to um, actually working together, how did that journey occur? Yeah, well, like like everything, I think it started off with small steps and, and you know, working to understand what what Soltex were, were trying to do and and then seeing how Calex may, may fit into that um, particular approach. And, and then we, as, as we often do, we, we said, well, let's have a look at some material and, and see, you know, get, we went to the whole testing phase. That's what we typically do to, to see if, if there's some, something there to, to really start to develop and from and, there. And, and so what was the project you were doing some testing on? So we, we, um, we, we took the, the proprietary salt material that, that is used to store the energy by, by Saltex and um, we looked to convert that from the calcium hydroxide into the calcium oxide. In the calcium oxide state, it has stored energy. Um, Corey has more expertise on that than me, of course, but it's a thermochemical storage of energy. So we we put the energy into the salt and and therefore it's sitting there stored. And of course, Saltex have the other side of the equation, 
as well as the salt to recover that energy, which Corey was you know, mentioned earlier, and I'm sure can can tell us more about. Yeah, tell us more about it, uh, Corey. Bearing in mind, I studied uh, law at university, not science <laughs> or engineering. Oh, oh yeah. So I, it, the salt that we have, the proprietary salt technology that we have, is based on on lime, and the reaction of lime and water is a quite very energetic reaction and so it becomes quite high in temperature and we can recover this temperature in the form of steam and so we we need to be able to put this energy into the material so the calcium hydroxide that we start out with in order to split it into calcium oxide and water and where the calcium oxide stores this energy chemically and so this is where the calyx uh, system comes in. Um, we worked uh, to understand how that would look, what kind of performance we would get, uh, cost variables, etc. And these were very important factors for us. What we do at Sortex is that we we try to to look for commercially available equipment that we can use in order to do this process. And this is where it came in with um, the calyx technology. And and. and- and Andrew, you're looking at this as a, as an energy source to power your, your uh, calciner? Well, I think that's what first yeah, attracted us. So the, the stored energy that, that, that Corey is, is, is talking about could be fed back in to, to, to feed a calciner um, or any other industrial process that's trying to run on electricity. Um, more generally, of course, now, working together as an opportunity for, for Calix to participate more broadly in this energy storage space with, with Soltex. So I think it's it's probably become bigger than just, oh, can can we can we look at this technology as a way to support a fully renewable Calix calciner to wow, there's some some big needs and gaps in the market. Um, that the type of energy storage that that the Soltex system can do is is different to say a, a battery, and and again, I'd mm. much more prefer to hand over to Corey to explain that difference. Well, we will in a moment, um, Corey. It's great to come up with uh, an energy source that solves some of the problems of renewable energy, but of course, I suppose when you in, you know when your market is the is big industries, you've also got to ensure that it's an economic solution was that a challenge for Soltex and how did you deal with it yeah so I would say uh, what's interesting especially when it comes to commercially available equipment and industrial equipment it's quite it's usually um, designed or developed to operate all the time so basically 8,000 hours per per year more or less with some time for for um, maintenance etc with our system we would want it to to charge as necessary and discharge as necessary and so this means that you will have a, a slightly different economic equation where you would be running the system for shorter periods of time so this is something that needs to be considered especially um when we um how would i put it when we work with with industrial processes um that will need energy all the time but we need to provide energy at the specific time especially when demand is quite high and then our system would basically be dormant for short for for a period of time and whenever the system is dormant it's basically not making any money and so this is why the <laughs> the the economic equation is, is quite important for us 
Yeah, well, for for everyone, and we'll we'll, we'll talk, Andrew. You, you mentioned the potential the collaboration might have in the future, and we'll we'll talk about that. But I want to go back to when you started collaborating a couple of uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, you've explained how the technology is uh, fits together and how they it, it compl- each of you complements what the other is doing. That makes sense. But when you actually started putting toge- putting things together and working together, were there cultural problems? Were there management issues? Did you have to work through things? We like to do it this way. Oh, no, we like to do it that way. Andrew? I, I, I think, James, very, very few wow. at one level. Um, at another level, maybe that's because almost all of this period we've been in the world of COVID, and the usual, you know, these Aussies mostly, we, you know, not exclusively, but these Aussies probably going over to Stockholm and sitting in the in the room with with Corey and, and his team, and and oh, I, you know, would that have have made us work even better together or less well? Well, we'll never know because I I think now we've we've progressed a long way with with understanding how each other works. I, I think what you're suggesting is that it's harder to have a fight over Zoom than it is. <laughs> Interesting, I'm sure before long um, someone will get a grant to study that, the amount of uh, heated disagreements in Zoom versus live meetings. Yeah. I, I, I think you've got to know people well mm. already to, to have a, a, a serious disagreement over Zoom. Um, yeah. yeah, that's it's, a good it's point. A bit, it's a bit more formal way of doing business than you know, face-to-face meetings and, and and things. So, yeah, yeah. I guess there's a study there for sure for somebody. Again, Corey, what would, what would you be your perspective on that, how, uh, how you handle different ways of doing things and challenges that arose in the early days of the collaboration? Yeah, I would say that it's it's very similar. It's uh, the, the fact that uh, before, um, let's say, pre-COVID or pre-pandemic, you could basically, you, you'd have a few chats on, online and then you can go over and have a, like a two-day workshop and hash out all the different challenges and potential potentials of the technology and, and problems and that type of stuff. And, and you can really build a kind of, of relationship, but it's actually quite hard to do that on on zoom or teams where you're basically sitting for relatively short periods of time as well i mean it's very very hard to get somebody to do anybody to do a a full day workshop or a two-day workshop on teams or zoom so it takes a substantially longer period of time in order to really get that understanding and to and to ensure that we understand each other on on different levels of what the technology can do or even culturally and i can say that also the the Time difference is also something that um, kind yes. of limits as well the amount. Of, there's there's basically a, a a reasonable two hour window where we we don't have to push or or work days too early or too late, and so to fit all meetings etc. and discussions within this two hour window was not necessarily so simple. So this is something that uh, took some time to overcome. So. Um- Given what you've said about the uh, limitations that Zoom and COVID have imposed upon us, you're both companies that are bringing new innovative technology and processes into established industries to help them 
to help those industry industries operate better and more sustainably. Are there? But but your technologies are very different. Are there things that you've learnt from each other, um, from the collaboration, Andrew, and thought, oh, we could do a bit more of that in our company? I think the short answer is you definitely, um, and in fact. Part of the, 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 the technology suite that, that Soltex have, we're working with them, if you like. <laughs> I know we're working with them anyway, but on, on a different aspect of, of that in, uh, in, in other parts of, of our business. Um, and, yeah, so, so they're sort of doing some, some modelling and, and uh, design work on, on the, 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 the unit or the point of discharge is, is the way Soltex describe it, where they recover the energy. Um, and we, we're really interested in applying that to some of our other, uh, particularly our, our lime um, business mm. in, in, um, in that. So, and, and then I, I think, you know, not necessarily me personally, but I know our engineering team have really appreciated the systems and the way that, that, that Corey's, you know, engineering and project team have worked in, in when, when the teams, you know, have been and, and continue to work together to, to, to build the, the pilot plant in, uh, in Stockholm that, that is at least a, the core part of what we're doing together. But as I say, we're already finding other things we can look at together that are interesting. Mm. And, uh, Corey, what did Soltex learn from Calix? And, and, and be as specific as possible. <laughs> uh, it's, I, no, because it's easy to say, oh, yes, we learned a lot for them, let's move on. But tell us something specific. Ah, uh, that's, a, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> uh, very specifically, I would say that uh, we, we learned a lot about the driving factors in different markets. And we've also been working a lot with different application areas. So that is something that's uh, to understand, uh, let's say, using of different types of, of, of energy sources, not only electricity, but also, for instance, um, gases, etc. how we can recover energy from that. So we've discussed that quite a bit. And we've been looking at uh, let's say, for instance, system modelling on on that area and and utilising the point of charge, as we call it, or how we get the the energy into our material. Um, working on on different possibilities together with Calix. Did you did either of you learn anything from the the other uh, about? We've we've talked in another episode about Calix's culture and how they see um, sustainability and innovation as you know they're trying to make it not just pretty words in a mission statement, but bake it into everything they do. I'm just wondering if you learnt anything from each other, uh, 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 um, from each other's culture, alternatively, how you react under pressure with deadlines and whatever, Andrew? Yeah, that's a difficult one in, in a sense, James, because I, I feel like, and again, I've never been face-to-face with anyone at Subtext, yeah. but I feel like our cultures are, are, are very similar and, and aligned and, mm. y- you know, we... we 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 work very openly. We we talk about what we want want to achieve. You know, which really always comes back to where can we apply our collective technologies to to make improvements. And of course, that means the economics have to have to stack up um, because otherwise, no one's going to do it. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's very pragmatic, but it's it's also you know very very focused on on how we you know make the the you know can work together to help make these transitions for 
especially for heavy industry, as, as yeah. you would describe and, it. And look, I, I guess if you're trying to work for another company, well, with another company that had very different views about those things, you probably wouldn't work with them for long. It just wouldn't work. Um, what about you, Corey? Yeah, I, I have to agree with Andrew. And I would say with Andrew and his team, we've been working very much around the clock. <laughs> um, there have been uh, a lot of, let's say, quick things that ne- and quick decisions that need to be done. And so this is also quite good that we are both quite nimble companies that can really make decisions relatively quickly. And that's what's needed, especially in this innovation arena. So uh, we, we've, I think we've worked quite well together in that area. Everyone in Australia says agile. I, th- I think nimble, nimble is a better word. I like it. Um, I'm going to try and, and, and get agile phrased out, phased out. It's been one of those words like pivot has just been done to death. We need a better <laughs> one. And I think nimble is it. So what were, again, just going back to this first collaboration, what were the results? Were they good? Were they what you hoped? Andrew? Well, I think at a, at a high level, the, yeah, so far it's been really good because, as I say, we, we first – thought about Soltex in one context and and now we're seeing many more opportunities to work together in terms of the, let's say, the most advanced project, which is the the pilot plan in in Stockholm. Um, I guess so far so good, but but we haven't actually run it yet to my knowledge, Corey. It's still still sort of in the final phases of construction, so um, time will tell. But we, you know, I I think the, the teams have worked together really well in difficult mm. circumstances to get things built for that plant and, and made available. Um, and, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Again, we, we're disappointed that, you know, it's at this point difficult for anyone from Calex to, to be there to, to, to really offer that hands-on support. But, you know, Corey's team will, will, will work around that and, and Zoom will play its role. And, you know, next year? Things will be different, won't they? I said that last year, but <laughs> I'm, One would hoping, hope. <laughs> I'm yeah. hoping this year I'm right. Um, so obviously the uh, the partnership was fruitful enough for you guys to have lots of discussions about what else you can do. So tell us about, Corey, some of the potential other projects you've been uh, exploring between Soltex and, and Calix and where they might lead. Yeah. So we have several um, potentials. So we, at, at Saltex, um, we've, of course, been looking at different applications of oil storage systems. But we've also identified several other areas that, unfortunately, I can't disclose at this point in time because they, <laughs> they're still <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> under development. But I can say that we've, we've discussed and, and established probably three other areas where we can definitely collaborate very closely. And without uh, pushing you to reveal anything you're not allowed to reveal, it would it be fair to say that they are all about helping industries move to operating in a cleaner energy, more sustainable way? Exactly. So it's it's all about decarbonising industry, but even looking at um, decarbonisation of, of um, district energy grids and, and that type of stuff. Uh, Andrew, anything you can say without, you know, getting sued by someone? <laughs> no, well, well, James, yeah, I, I think along the same lines is, um, you know, we, I think it's okay, hopefully, Corey, to say that um, we're now having a regular separate discussion amongst some some members of, of both companies that are actually talking about 
other projects, the next possible projects. So, you know, there's one team really focused on delivering the pilot plant and, and you know, doing that work. And then there's a group of, of, of others who are thinking, gee, what else can we do here? What, you know, and, and we both have this mission to decarbonise, you know, industry and, and, and play our, our role, you know, which will be small on a world scale, I suspect, because it's such a massive task. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that didn't yeah. sound too controversial to me. I don't think you uh, <laughs> you've, you've breached any. I can't imagine you breached any confidentiality agreements uh, there. Um, but I mean, it is a massive task. But on the other hand, making some difference to it, and also getting your two companies together to think about how together you might be able to make, you know, a difference that neither of you alone had imagined. That must be very exciting, Corey. Oh yes, definitely. Um, The interesting thing about this area is that there's a lot of work to be done. Um, uh, Everybody knows that. Um, There are a lot of possibilities, uh, but it's kind of up in the air and it's still it's up to to the innovative companies to really move quickly and to take advantage of the the possibilities that are there. And we see that both Soltex and Calix are are well positioned in order to do that it's just to really understand where the market is going unfortunately it's moving relatively quickly in some areas and then in other areas it's basically lagging behind in terms of let's say the the political will or or even when it comes to um establishing um, good business models and also basically leaving behind legacy equipment and and moving to to newer and more sustainable forms of of uh, um, operating um, producing materials and and storing energy and and delivering energy etc mm. when you mentioned Corey um Political will. People have different views on this. Some people think, "Oh, you know, a progressive government's been replaced by a conservative government. There goes the cause of renewable energy. We're going to be set back ten years." Other pe- other people say, "Well, look, governments have some power, but it's often overestimated, and this change is happening anyway." Government, yes, governments can nudge it forward or they can hold it back a little bit, but they're not as influential as many think. Your view? Yeah, so my view here is that uh, influence or influence, but at the end of the day, we regulation is quite important, and this is why we we don't we don't dump refuse all over the place and etc. And we've been basically using our atmosphere or air as a, as a, a dump of refuse for for carbon um, emissions, and so this is why regulation will come into play where we we don't uh, we 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 make causing environmental damage difficult or painful for companies. And that's where political will is going to come in. I'm not saying that yes. governments need to come in and say, oh, you must do this or you must do that, or this is the way that you need to do it. That's not the, the job of, of, of government and that's not really the job of, of, of politicians. The job is more or less say that we need to stop polluting and we need to find ways of doing that. So right now, given the fact that that's not the case, we have a, a challenge where to pollute or to to produce emissions is not painful or or costly enough. So you won't get that transition other than from goodwill. And so, of course, there are certain companies and certain people with that mindset and ethos that are, are pushing in that direction. But then the vast majority are really like kind of waiting and seeing what was what's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Your thoughts, Andrew? 
Yeah, I think that's that's much the same. I, I think that it's the position of governments is is becoming a bit less critical because the position of society is is really starting to firm up, and you know any any major industry has that that social contract um, available. So, yeah, I, I agree with Corey though that, that the trick is to identify those that see that and and see that they should you know be be embracing the change and and those that that simply have that that you know deeper true um mm. uh, desire to to be leaders in that in that space you know as organizations and 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 uh, I, it's not a criticism so some companies are just you know more able for whatever reason to to pursue those objectives and be those early movers than than others and yeah some countries uh, are have obviously applied more social pressure through their their governments um to to make a you know, to set up structures and 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 you know an environment that supports those early movers but um but yeah there's i think you know Corey's certainly onto something that there's a lot of companies who who want to be first at going second. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Um, so as we near the near the end, what what challenges and opportunities do both your companies now face? What are the predominant ones you face at the moment, Corey? Uh, the challenges market. I would say the 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 predominant challenge for us is is market uncertainty. So who's going to do what and when should it be done? Uh, the, the need for energy storage is quite clear. Everybody knows, okay, well, the wind doesn't blow all the time. The sun doesn't shine all the time. We need to store these um, um, sources of energy and be able to dispatch them when necessary. What That's the good thing about fossil fuels at the end of the day. It's energy that's been stored for, for many millions of years and that we, we basically can... can basically burn or push out whenever we need to and so this is uh the need for energy storage is quite important but and we also know that the scope and the scale of energy storage is also uh, a huge thing um i can quote a few um let's say um, scientific articles which say that we need to basically store about 10 to 20 percent of the energy that we produce from renewables so if we look at like by 2040 we are going to need to to basically deploy about 1.5 gigawatts hours of energy every day until 2040 in order to meet our global demands for electricity only and this is not including that heating demands and all the other demands that we're going to have over the years so the scale of the problem is massive however the 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 push or the move towards this or to tackle this challenge is is has not been there so far for some countries as uh, for some countries as andrew said have put in the 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 framework in order to do that and some companies have also put um in the frameworks in order to do that but in general it's a it's a bit slow and Mm. this is this is a challenge to to understand okay when (laughs) when the ramp up happens we need to be very ready for for it yep uh, Andrew, challenges and opportunities facing uh, you and Calix. Yeah, I think they're they're similar in that it's it's at that point in the in the process 
not just with the areas we're looking at with Soltex, but generally for, for Calyx where we've got a certain amount of resources and we, we need to be careful how we choose projects. They take a while to go from first discussions to, a, to an implemented project, several years, and if you wind up on the wrong path, you might have a very good project, but maybe that industry that, that's behind that project changes their tack because everything is pretty fluid in this space and a new way come they decide to, to try a different way to decarbonise. So, and the last thing we want is sort of, you know, projects that may prove to be very technically successful but then don't get rolled out across an industry. So, yeah, we just have to keep examining the landscape, the, 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 the legislative rules that, that change very quickly in different mm. areas. And, and then what, where a lot of companies are really now digging deep into what is their 2040, 2050 strategy, not just what are their targets, but actually they can see 2050. And, you know, the people, many of the people making decisions in those companies can even foresee still being, you know, alive, whereas at two, mm-hmm. you know, the year 2000, the same people running those companies, you know, it's pretty hard to pitch at 2050. So it's it's close enough now that simply saying I want to be net zero is 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 not enough for them now. It's like, well, yeah, but you should have a plan because we planned for 20 years, we planned for 30 years in major major businesses like these, heavy industry. So what's our plan? And so that's really where I think a lot of these 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 processes are are and as they commit to a plan well we want to be ready then to to be a part of that um if, you know where where that's appropriate but there's there's no shortage of opportunities and and ideas it's it's being on the right ones you know with the right the right partners um mm. yeah Oh look! Thank you very much. For I can, that. I can, yeah, on, I can Mark. add, I can add there that it, I, I, I can concur that there's a, uh, there's been a lot of discussions about goals in the, I would say, in the last five years or so, but now we are actually seeing plans starting to be hashed out. So I think that's a very positive thing for the future that there's actually work on strategy and and what do we need to do and added, actually putting numbers down to things and and this will give a much better picture of what needs to be done and how it should be done. Yeah, look, it's easy to state goals, isn't it? Net zero by 2050, I want to get fit, whether they're big goals or little goals. It, really, it all comes down to the plan. Hmm. You know, I said I wanted to get fit a month ago and nothing's happened. Well, that's because you haven't had a plan, probably. Look, thank you um, both for joining us. And, and in the in the very respectful and uh, and friendly way you addressed each other, it was clear why this has been such a harmonious uh, collaboration between Soltex and Calix. Lovely to talk to you both. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Innovating for the Earth. There are many more.